I wow. actually, so for Halloween, I've treated myself this year and um, I have got, and this is a weird treat as well. This is not like, bearing in mind, I wear, regularly wear handmade, historically accurate 14th century clothing. I've got an out of the bag medieval woman's dress, which is Where made out of like- from? Just from like a crushed shirt? Yeah, like Asda or something, like a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like stretch velvet. With like that polyester satin stuff, um, it's got really big sleeves, and it's I'm so excited to wear it because <laughs> it's not accurate to it's not accurate to any period. Like no one ever, yeah. no one ever dressed like that, and so because I'm such an, <laughs> you know, remember remember how angry I was at Elizabeth Bennet's dress in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. It's like yeah. my Halloween costume this year is not that I'm going as a medieval woman. It's that I'm going about going as someone who doesn't care about history. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best costume ever. No one's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, what's scary about that? What isn't scary about someone having an appreciation of fact and detail? That's my <laughs> costume. Hello and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the only podcast that held Jane Austen and all three of the Bronte sisters underwater to see which could hold their breath longer. I am your host, (laughs) Hannah Chapman. I'm Team Austen. And I am your host, Lauren Burke. I am Team Bronte. And this week we are talking about dancing, not actually holding anybody underwater. Uh, Don't try doing that at home because it's very dangerous. Yeah, please don't, please. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a little poll on Facebook and promised everyone that if they voted for me, I would give them a Jane Austen fact. And let me say, no good deed goes unpunished because Lauren has now decided that every week we're going to give you a Austen or Bronte fact. So <laughs> it's true. We are educational and hopefully entertaining dear god it's the goal it's the goal of the podcast the stakes have just gone up so much higher as if it wasn't stressful enough doing this podcast now i have to come up with some fact every week fact right they don't matter people aren't here for facts (laughs) i've tried to i've tried to make it like dancing related so some of you if you're familiar with the book Pride and Prejudice. It's not that popular, so I don't know how many of you will know this line because it's not her most popular book by any means. Mansfield mm-hmm. Park, I've heard, is more popular, in fact. People love it. There's been at least 30 film adaptations. Of Mansfield Park? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's a good one every year. It's my, it's my favourite, personally. So, no, mm-hmm. so in Pride and Prejudice, she says, to be fond of dancing is a certain step towards falling in love. Ah, that's nice, Good line, good line. Yeah, I like that line. That is, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, so basically, I said this in another episode as well, Jane Austen really liked dancing and she uh, danced a lot with Tom Lefroy at a party. It was in a letter. Is that good? Does that count as a fact? (laughs) It's a good one. That's cute. It's not a fact. (laughs) Uh, Jane Austen was at a dance with Tom Lefroy, who was a family friend. She fancied him. And in a letter to Cassandra, she's basically saying, 
you know, you would have told me off if you were there because I insisted on speaking with him all night and dancing with him all night. Because dancing was one of the few ways that you actually got to get up and have a conversation with people. And Mm -hmm. as will be discussed in this week's excellent interview, there was a, a lot of time to talk while dancing, but not in the way that we think about it in the films, which I thought was fascinating. So, um, you know, how is how important is dancing in courtship today? That's what I have uh, a question for you as a lady who's who's out there, who's dating. Um, Are you dancing with boys, Hannah? I mean, first of all, misconception. Dating. Interesting <laughs> word. Am I going on dates? No. Did I cancel a date last week so that I could do a job application? Yes, I did. <laughs> Did I have a date cancel on me today? Yeah, but I'm podcasting <laughs> instead. Do I sound bitter? Do I sound bitter? Um, no, I no. I hate to dance. Can Not I, a fan. I'm too awkward. I can't do it. I think if, although I did dance at a Regency ball and I thought it was lovely. I think I, I need someone to stand there and tell me what to do and then I can do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have that thing that people have inside them where they can just move their bodies on their own. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I gotta be honest. Well, dancing is different. So yeah, we, you did just say like, you know, you had time to talk while dancing. And I think if we had that today, then I would be more apt to dance. But it's, um, you know, especially back in my dating days, which were a long time ago. All right, um, rub it and in. I did no, I mean, it was like 13 <laughs> years ago, which is like makes me feel so old. Um, well, when I first started dating John, he actually did say that he loves going out to dance and that he didn't think like I could keep up with him on the dance floor. And oh, my like, gosh. You're definitely right. That is, like, such, you're definitely right. <laughs> that is such a John thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went out dancing like for the first year that we dated and then we just like never since. Um I but I remember being yeah in a, like it's always loud it's so loud and just yeah. yeah there's too many people and I just I feel like overstimulated and I just I don't know what to do. I was in a club in Chicago and this guy kept and when and like we're saying dancing but he was just rubbing, but you know, certain parts of his yeah. body. No, and I'm not talking about his elbow people, uh, on on me. And he's mm-hmm. like, come on, let's just dance, let's just dance. And then I was like, I need some fresh air. I went outside and I kind of rounded on him and was just like, British people do not dance. Listen to me. I won't say it again. <laughs> we don't dance where I'm from, <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, and then I like stormed off into the night. But <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> take me back, take me back 200 years so that someone could just stand there and just shout at me how to do it. Yeah, I think both of us need um, to go back in time so that, yeah, someone can, the dance caller can tell us what, what's going on. Yeah. And also we can have a conversation. I think that would be great. And I guarantee that if someone wants to take me to a Regency ball, I won't cancel the date to do a job application. And <laughs> I might brush my hair. Ooh, and like, promises, promises. Get out of my pyjamas. What do you reckon? That sounds I pretty that good, sounds, right? Sounds good. <laughs> That sounds pretty good. (laughs) So we're talking a little bit about dance, but we're going to talk a lot more in depth about dance with our guest today, 
who is Karen Milliard. Love Karen. Actually, she was one of the first people that I met on Twitter um, when I set up at Bonnet to Dawn. Ah. I know. She's a sweetheart. And she runs Jane Austen Dancing up in Toronto. I'm sure a lot of you guys um, have actually interacted with Karen on Twitter at Jane Austen Dance. Um, Karen has a great bio. She's an awesome, awesome guest who I really hope to have back on the show because she's a social history researcher. She's got a background in performing arts, history, English literature. She was a professional dance instructor. Um, She was a ballerina. Now she's, you know, an English country dance, like, extraordinaire. So, yeah, Karen's got a lot going on. And she does a a few interesting sort of immersive historical events that we're going to talk about in this interview. Oh, my gosh, they sound so good. This is... This is a great interview. I actually have to say, I think this is my favourite interview that you've done. No, really? Yeah, when I was re-listening to it um, in preparation to record today. Yeah. I really oh, love it. Wow. I just... We'll talk about it. Let, let the people have what they want. We'll shut up for a minute and then... Yeah. And then we'll be back. So now... Yeah. I have a million questions for you. Like how, yeah. how did you get into this? First of all? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, about, oh my goodness, what is it now? About 15, 16 years ago, I guess now, um, a friend called me up and said, hey, there's this weird historical dance thing going on. Do you want to check it out? And I said, sure, sounds great. And so <laughs> we went and I didn't, I didn't know this dance form existed. I'd never heard of it before. And there it was. And I just, it was love at first sight. Oh, wow. Yeah, completely. I was absolutely horrible at it. Um, Okay, that's good to hear. Because I I feel like I'm going to be terrible. (laughs) No, no. You know, it's, it's just that it's it's quite different from other dance forms. If you're used to, for example, ballroom dance, couples dance of any kind, if you're used to that or you're used to, say, hip hop or you're used to jazz or ballet, it's totally unlike any of those. If the closest you could come would be something like square dance or okay. contra dance or Scottish country dancing or Kaylee dancing. Those all have... Uh, shared roots mm-hmm. and um so you would find that that uh those those would me- make you feel a little more at home in english country dancing it's not that it's hard it's just that it's in 3d you're you're dancing with a group of people right you do have a partner but um you also have neighbors and corners and opposites and all this kind of stuff and uh so it's just it's thinking about social dance in a really different way Mm-hmm. Um, and you're you're responding to sort of signals flying around the set because you're you're taking in sort of impressions from the whole group rather than just one person. But that's okay. also what makes it so wonderfully exciting and fun. So now, were you already yeah, so a it, dancer when you when you when yes. your friend called you? Okay, okay, gotcha. Yes, yeah. My my background. Um, is in um, performance dance. So ballet, modern jazz, uh, that type of stuff. I I had um, quite a bit of intensive training at that Mm -hmm. when I was younger. And um, I hadn't done that in a long time. I tricked knees, unfortunately. So I had to stop that Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. Um, And so I was just rediscovering dance altogether, really. I hadn't danced in years. And um, 
I'd actually been really sick for a couple mm-hmm. of years. I had cancer and all that oh kind of stuff. And yeah, so I hadn't, you know, I just, that was a, a part of my life that had really gotten set aside. And to discover dance again and in this wonderfully joyful way, it was just lovely because English country dancing is essentially a very, very happy dance form. Right. And it was it like, I mean, and I'm asking this too, because I have a really bad back. <laughs> some back issues but like it seems like it's more gentle then so yes like more gentle on your knees and like you could yeah definitely definitely um there's there's some uh twisting sort of turning and twisting that type of thing Mm -hmm. that happens but um the uh it's it's generally speaking not too hard on most people and the um what does um, help a lot is that for the most part, it's low impact. You can have um, different, um, you can have different versions of the dances. Some some will call for skipping or whatever, but you can always choose not to, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's great. So it's um it's nice that way. It's ad- it's adaptable. In other words, to different people's needs. And as a caller, I always say. Let me know if you've got, you know, bad knees or any kind of an issue. And I'll let you know if, if there's a really sort of rompy dance coming up, then mm-hmm. you can decide to, to maybe skip that one or just adapt some of the some of the moves. Mm-hmm. So it's great for different age groups and it's great for for different levels of ability. And it's it's wonderful for, you know, yeah, just people who might have some mobility issues or whatever. Right. So now when you went to that dance... Were you already a Jane Austen fan? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing you were. Yeah. I'm thinking that yeah. way. So um, <laughs> what was your first, like, point of contact with Jane Austen? Uh, in my teens, mm-hmm. I, wa- I actually discovered the Brontes first. Oh, I'm hearing and... that a lot lately, actually. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I'm, – I'm just thinking back – I, I know that I watched one of the Masterpiece Theater um, adaptations of Emma when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I believe that post-dated my discovery of the Brontes, which might have been through one of the... Um, one of the the mini series, but it might well have been the book. I was just a um, an insatiable reader mm-hmm. and... I was gobbling just about everything. And in fact, you know what? I'm having a new memory that I have not had in decades. <laughs> and that is that, yes, a friend gave me copies of Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre when I was about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And I just gobbled them. And um, and I was a huge fan of Masterpiece Theater. I mean, it ruled my life. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so it sort of it went on from there. I just read everything I could get my hands on, and I was reading biographies. And um, it might have been maybe through a biography that I discovered that interesting little bit about Charlotte not being an admirer of Jane Austen. Right, yeah. Um, asking her publisher why he admired Miss Austen so very much. And that might have been what sparked me to read her, but um, that is now lost in the mist of time. And, and basically, <laughs> I I just became equally addicted to Austen. So um, I'm guessing you were reading Jane Austen's books. And you know what? 
like myself, like I would read like about the dances and I would actually always wonder like what they were doing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, um, it's interesting to see the film adaptations because um, they're, they're not really, most of them are not especially accurate in terms of the way they portray the dancing of the time. The fact is that um, when we see the movies, everybody's moving at once. Mm-hmm. And in Austin's time, it was only the top two or three couples who were dancing. Everybody else below was waiting. Oh. So, yes. So what happened was the first woman at the top of the set, the very top of the set, would choose or make up the dance. And she would tell the musicians what to play. And she and her partner would dance just with that other one or two couples. Um, And they really had no time to learn the dance. She was presumably, um, you know, she was presumably telling them the figures as they went along. They did use the term, they did, yeah, they did use the term call the dance Mm -hmm. um, back then. And um, the other people just had to stand there, watch and learn on on the fly. And they would only be activated when she and her partner reached them. The other couples, once they had danced with the first couple, they would move up and be inactive again until they'd collected enough couples to start dancing themselves. And when um, when the first couple, the original first couple, got all the way back down to the bottom of the set, they were no longer as important and they were working their way back up to the top. As you sometimes see in Austin, there's a reference. Um, they were working their way up to the top. Um so that's, yeah, it was quite different. It was quite different. And um, so all those lengthy ballroom conversations that happened, like Lizzie and Darcy, yeah, were, for the most part, taking place while people were waiting in the set for oh. the first couple to reach them. Yeah, because the other thing is that um, the basic traveling step in Austin's, in, in, the, in the Regency era, was um, a very brisk skip change a chasse step with a little jeté assemblé at the end of the phrase and it was very aerobic mm-hmm. so if you're skipping throughout most of the dances it's a little harder to hold a conversation yeah for sure <laughs> yeah so um there might have been a few little barbs exchanged here and there between lizzie and darcy but for the most part these things were happening when they were in down further down in this yet. oh man okay so now i'm trying to think is there um well it, that does make sense though because i'm thinking also like for film yeah i mean you just want everyone moving and you don't want to you know just too still oh, yeah but yeah, yeah like now i'm like oh is there an adaptation that's kind of that kind of gets it right i haven't seen one so far but as you said See, it doesn't best television, right? Or the best film. I mean, it, it's it's not going to be as visually appealing. It's not going right. to be as gripping. And the fact is that at some point, everybody was dancing. You know, there were all the couples involved. So it's mm-hmm. it's um, it, yeah, it's just I think it's a little bit of selective history. We don't see the fleas or the rats or the plague either. So that's okay. Right, right, <laughs> sure, that's fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the. Some of the adaptations also use dances that were no longer fashionable in Austin's time. Doesn't mean they weren't being done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, golden oldies is what I say. We we okay. still listen to music that isn't fashionable, and we eat things that aren't fashionable. But uh, 
Um, yeah, so so some of the the screen adaptations that clearly they're the the choreographers are using choices um, for dramatic reasons rather than strictly authentic contemporary history mm-hmm. reasons. And you know, I don't really have a problem with that either. It's just the way it is. Um, and they're beautiful dances. I mean, who can argue with Mr. Beveridge's Maggot, which is the big centerpiece of the Lizzie and Darcy Netherfield dance scene. So Yeah, you know. that, that name always kills me. <laughs> if you could throw out a few more Regency dance names, just <laughs> Yes. Well they <laughs> I, I take it you know what the word maggot meant in this context. I, I don't actually. I well oh. maybe I don't think I do, actually. So yeah, tell me. Okay. Well, Mr. Beveridge was a dancing master. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those dances that is much, much older, uh, vastly predates Austin's time. Um, but gorgeous dance, gorgeous tune. And um, the word maggot in the 18th century and and much of the 19th, I'm sure, um, in addition to being that nasty little worm, also meant, um, it had a figurative meaning. It, it also meant a whim or a fancy something that got into your mind and wriggled around so yeah so Mr. Beveridge's maggot meant a fancy created by Mr. Beveridge the dancing master and there are others in the English country dance repertoire there's some beautiful dances uh Dick's maggot and you know and others um Mm -hmm. so that's um that's where that comes from and it's a to to our ears it's it's a pretty odd thing especially for such a beautiful dance but and tune but um but there we are a bit of authenticity the name Mm -hmm. just didn't age well no exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh so um how did you make the leap from sort of just attending this dance invited from a friend to jane austen dance Oh, well, um, the woman who was running our group was moving to the States, as a matter of fact. And on her last night, she locked up the door. We were the only two people left. And she turned to me and handed me the key and said, here you go. Good luck. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was kind of it was a bit of a shock. And I said, what? I I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, that's okay. You're obviously the right person to do this. You're Mm going to learn. And I guess I did. I, I learned on the job, so to speak. And oh, wow. um, back then, it, it was certainly, um, it, it's a modern English country dance group. Um, um, so I'm involved with two two aspects. Uh, the, the modern English country dance group where we do the full 400-year um, repertoire. And um, the, the Jane Austen thing is my own offshoot. <laughs> because I felt that it was... Um, it was a good way of explaining to people what English country dance was. Yeah. Um, back then, I mean, we're talking about the early, you know, the early years of this century. A lot of people still had never heard of it, but they had seen the movies. They'd seen Emma or they'd seen Pride and Prejudice or Persuasion. And they had some notion of what it looked like from those films. And I thought, you know, this is the link. This is the missing yeah. link. All I need to do is just say, hey, people. This is Jane Austen's dance form. And, you know, later I could also say this was also a, a dance form that went back much further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, early early forms of English country dancing were being done in Shakespeare's time before Shakespeare's time. So, um, you know, it's just it's just it was a way of reaching people and having them 
giving them the, the ability to visualize what it was. And it, it worked really well. So we've got all kinds of new people coming out uh, because they were looking for Jane Austen stuff. And then they discover the pleasure of English country dancing and they're embracing the modern repertoire as well. And that was what it was really about for me. That's funny because I'm hearing like so many similar things from other people. I'll ah. ask them like, you know, you know how they got into what whatever area it is, maybe costuming, for example. I was mm-hmm. having a discussion with someone today about that. And they're like, well, you know, I just I don't only do Regency stuff, but that was sort of the link. That's what really connected me with these people. Yeah. And um, it's a great link because you do get, you know, the woman I was talking to in particular, she's like, yeah, I get contacted by all these women who are like, oh, I'm into Jane Austen, but I'm also into history at large. And I'm also just, you know, I'm yeah. interested in this. And so it's easy to get sucked in. So I mean, that's perfect. I um, that's great. I really love that. So this seems like it should be a, like a really full time job. Well, it is yeah. actually a full time job. It, I mean, I was say, is it just you working this thing? It's just me. Oh my gosh! Yep. This this is my day job. Um, and just as a little um, postscript to what you were just mentioning, um, the, I also uh, host historical meals. I have a Jane oh, Austen that's supper right. club. <gasps> yeah, that is so, so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it it is. It's really exciting. And the same thing is true of that. So we have people who are interested in historical food or cooking or whatever, and they get into it from that angle. So, you know, there's a, um, it's really, it's wonderful because I, I just believe that history and literature should be experienced in a visceral kind of way. I, mm-hmm. I want my events to be immersive. So, you know, we have these, these balls and these, um, these meals at historic sites and we're all there in a beautiful room with candles burning. And if it's, if it's cool enough, the wet, the fires are burning in the fireplaces mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's, it's quite a spectacular experience. It's lovely. I'm so jealous. I want to do this actually. <laughs> Well, we'll just have to make sure that you can. I know, right? <laughs> like, ah, oh, I want to come to a historical meal so badly. So now <laughs> tell us about some of these weekends that you plan because they sound amazing and I'm ready to get on a plane and come there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, they are great fun. We do events all year round, of course, but mm-hmm. um, the two big um, things that anchor anchor the my year my working year are the Jane Austen weekend in the spring and a weekend in Nelson's Navy um which I call you know master and commander a I mean, weekend in Nelson's Navy that's like Hannah's and, dream oh really yes oh my oh my oh my like she's well, gonna lose her mind <laughs> oh well and that one's in September when she will she'll still be in England I guess I, I maybe I'm gonna ask her I mean my god <laughs> she well it's I have to say it's well they're both of these weekends are an absolute joy to me I have to say I I love them both and they're 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 similar but also really different in a lot of ways um in both cases they are as I say immersive and my they're not conferences and they're not literary in their greatest emphasis. They are more experiential. I mm-hmm. want people to know what it was like to wear those gowns or those breeches. I want people to to taste the food that Jane Austen ate or that Lord Nelson ate. I want people to understand 
what it was like to sit in a drawing room and listen to a young lady playing the harp, which we Mm -hmm. did this spring. We sat in a parlor and there was a young lady playing the harp. She was playing contemporary repertoire on the harp. And, and we had tea, we'd had a Regency supper before that. And we, you know, we had tea and, and delightful, um, you know, (laughs) refreshments partway through the evening. And we played historical games and, um, you know, these are these are the experiences I want people to have. And the lights are low in the evenings. It's dark mm-hmm. in these sites. You know, um, this is a it's a it's a completely different way of experiencing life. And the moment I sort of got the inspiration for a lot of this was on my umpteenth reading of Sense and Sensibility years ago. I don't even remember exactly when. There's just this little line that says. It was moonlight and everybody was full of engagements. Mm. And it smacked me across the head like nothing had before. And I thought, oh, my God, of course, of course, because they don't flick on their headlights. Yeah. (laughs) It's dark. You're in the countryside. If there's no moon, it's dark Mm -hmm. and you don't go anywhere at night. And here we are. The moon is up. So everybody's planning their balls and dinner parties. And, you know, I, I just... It was it was an, a revelation for me, and mm-hmm. that's when I really started to feel this this the, this passion for sharing that feeling. And and so, you know, some of the films capture this really well; others not so much. But one thing that I absolutely loved um, about the big screen persuasion, um, the Amanda Root version of persuasion, mm-hmm. was that the interiors are dark at night. Yeah, yeah. And you really get that feeling. There's firelight, there's there's candlelight, but there's no such thing as a bright room in the way that we understand it. And mm-hmm. um, it just gives you a completely different appreciation of the world they were living in. Um, and that's that's basically what I try to do. So my weekends are about that. We have multiple historical meals, including breakfast and Ooh. drinking chocolate and all those kinds of things. We have dancing, we have music. We do have lectures, but the lectures are almost exclusively about Jane Austen's world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jane Austen Society does fabulous literary meetings and lectures and events. And um, I wanted to do something that complemented that. Nice. So that's why we have the things that we have. And for um, for the uh, for the Nelson weekend, for the, the Master and Commander Naval weekend... We sort of ramp it up even further. We have things like a daily issue of Grog. <laughs> and we, uh, yes, so far nobody's gotten out of line. Um, on Sunday, we rig church and read the articles of war. We muster divi- to divisions and tow the line and all of that. We have inspection. Um, we had um, a lieutenant's examination board. Oh and my it gosh. was real. It was a real one. It was a real one. We had, um, you know, we had the 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 bigwigs from the reenactment community. There was an admiral, uh-huh. a commodore, and a commander, all in full uniform. And um, they, there were two, <laughs> there were two candidates for lieutenant, mm-hmm. and there were marines to keep everybody in line. You know, posted at the door. And when the candidates came in, they sat down opposite this very imposing panel um, of examiners, and they answered questions about, you know, this is this is what's happening. The wind is in the northeast, and right. you know, what do you do? And, you know, it was fantastic. It was absolutely thrilling. 
So there are all kinds of things. And we learn to write letters with quill pens and sealing wax. And we send them through Toronto's first post office, which is a fabulous little museum downtown mm-hmm. in the old town, um, the oldest part of Toronto. And they take they take our letters and they send them in such a way that um, that the seals survive intact. Nothing is crushed. The letter arrives looking like it would have 200 years ago, more or less. Oh so my gosh. it's, yeah, it's, it's magical. It's if I do say so myself, but it's my passion. It's my pride and joy. <laughs> so now you are actually, um, you have like a historical, there's like a historical house that you, these events take place at, right? Yes. Um, d- there are many wonderful, wonderful historic sites in Toronto. Um, the city of Toronto proper owns a number of them. There are other sites as well. And I hold my events at um, at, at many of these different places. Um, for Master and Commander, we're going to start the day at Fort York. Oh, okay. Um, which is an 1812 era fort. And um, in the afternoon, we're going to crew aboard a tall ship. Oh, wow. And then, yes, yes. And then we... Um, We'll be going to another historic site during the afternoon for tea and a lovely tour and all kinds of wonderful stuff there. And then in the evening, we'll go to Montgomery's Inn, which is in the west end of Toronto. And it is um, an early 19th century inn, now a city of Toronto museum. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the weekend will be spent there. So it's almost like walking into your home for the next three days. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a magical place. I, I do a lot of events there. And the candles will be burning, the fires will be going, we'll have music and food in the historic kitchen, music in the bar, and the the, the original tap room is still there. It's it's just amazing. It's wonderful. The historic kitchen is there with with um, you know, the the, the open hearth and um, a bake kettle and, and a you know, there's a there's a um, there's a jack, a roasting jack, and and just you know a crane and all those marvelous things. Um, it's it's just wonderful. I'm totally in love with that museum, and the staff are wonderful, and we've developed a great, um, really a sort of great working relationship putting together these events. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that <laughs> the you. like the locations really make it. And that's yeah. the thing as an American, like I, I, you know, I feel like I'm missing in history because I feel like that, oh. that Eddie Izzard bit is so true where he says like, you know, Americans like tear their history down after 50 years, like, no, we have oh. to do something new, something, you know, bigger, better, newer. Um, but yeah, like the locations, like for me, like, that's why I would travel to do historical reenactment like elsewhere, because, right. you know, I'm like, oh, I want the sense of history, you know? Right, right. And maybe it's almost easier to discover that away from home sometimes. I, I certainly feel the same yeah. thing, what you were saying about going to Europe, for example. It's like that. You, there's history all around you. And I mean, there's there's history all around us where we live, too. But I think North Americans, I mean, Canada's the same. We do the same. We have mm-hmm. not always been as we should, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of stewardship of our historic sites. I think that's improved immensely um over time and and recently i mean things are uh, improving even more i I think we're we're becoming very aware of it very Mm -hmm. aware of our built heritage and material culture and um being more vigilant about about making sure that we look after it properly and preserve Mm -hmm. it and um so people are, are actually in toronto 
anyway, becoming more and more aware of their historic sites, which is fantastic. It's really exciting. All kinds of things are happening, new events and new kinds of programming. And I'm, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. I feel very privileged. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. Like, so how long have you been doing this? Um, you know, I've been I've been very conservative on my website. I think I've said something like eight or nine years, but mm-hmm. I think it's actually more than that. I think it's uh, I think it's closer to ten. I think okay. it's really closer to ten. Yeah, I mean the the um the the dance calling I've been doing since about two thousand and two, I guess, mm-hmm. or two thousand and four, somewhere in there. Two, yeah, um, but uh, the Jane Austen activities, I. I I brought in a little after that. So yeah. So you've probably built up a nice crowd of like regulars and mm-hmm. just like a yep. bunch of old friends getting together and having a good time too. Like that's yeah, yeah. what I also love about it. It's just like building this, you know, community as well. Absolutely. And, and I mean, we do have new people all the time as well, but we have mm-hmm. the regulars and it's, it's really a joy to me to see that we have a multi-generational community. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. We have kids, we have teenagers, we have, elderly people and everybody in between and it's it's just to me that really matters it's it's um it means that people are are discovering the joys of history and literature as as they emerge through different um periods of life and mm-hmm. uh and that we're all sharing that with each other is is for me just the the biggest joy of all that that we can do that and you see a teenager dancing with a 70 year old and it's it's just a joyful, wonderful thing. And to me, that really is where the community comes in. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I have to ask you about the historical food. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what are some of your favorite dishes? And if you can tell me some of your least favorite as well. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, th- I, I think really, I mean, you know, some dishes certainly have turned out um, spectacularly well mm-hmm. and there's going to be a range of things some things are not to everybody's taste or whatever um, I uh, some of my favorites are the roast goose that we have every Christmas we have a Christmas supper oh that sounds yeah. so delightful it is it's it's fantastic and um, so the roast goose is amazing um, one of my favorite dishes that that we've ever had was actually one of the earliest dishes we ever had. It might have even been the very first Jane Austen supper, and that was fried smelts with anchovy sauce. And it was out of this world delicious. It was fantastic. Um, Yeah, it was... was (laughs) All right, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, you need to be a fish lover. Sure. Um, But it it was just, it looked beautiful. And the, the smelts were arranged in a pinwheel. They were deep fried. They were all golden. It looked a lot like shrimp, as a matter of fact. Okay. And um, and they were decorated with little notched slices, thin slices of cucumber. Just beautiful. And and just to die for, delicious. Um, that, the roast goose. We had delicious asparagus this past weekend because I had my, my Emma event. We recreated the ball at the crown from Emma. And um, so we had all dishes that were mentioned in the book. I am like trying to go back in my mind and think about these dishes now. Well, Emma's really interesting because it's the it's really the one book. There's there's a fair bit of food mentioned in Northanger Abbey, or not? Sorry, not uh, Mansfield Park. But um, Emma is really the only book where she really goes into into 
quite a lot of, I won't say depth in the sense that, you know, you don't know necessarily how these um, dishes were paired with other things or whatever, but she mentions mm-hmm. a lot of them. There are eggs, asparagus, baked apples, apple tart, custard, cold lamb, pigeon pie, um, roast mutton, all kinds of things. And of course, mm-hmm. the strawberries. <laughs> right, right. From from Mr. Knightley's strawberry party. Um and so we have uh, we have a meal that is made up of those dishes, and it was just so good. We had cold lamb, we had pigeon pie, we had strawberries, we had asparagus, we had eggs. Um, it was just gorgeous. We had baked apples, uh, custard. It was just it was absolutely lovely. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. Now, yeah. how many people were at that event? Just um, couple dozen. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, we, it's a lot of food. It sounds great. <laughs> it is a lot of food. It is a lot of food. Um, and uh, and we sometimes have larger numbers of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it really varies. But summer, of course, is a busy time. P- people oh, yeah. are away. Cottage season has started up, and it's wedding season, convocation season. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. But for the we, you know, sometimes we've had several dozen mm-hmm. uh, for the meals. I mean, you also don't want to have the place stuffed to bulging. Oh, for sure. Not very elegant. Yeah, it's not, you, you don't want it. In other words, you don't want it to feel like a restaurant. You want it to feel like a private dining room. So that's right. what we for. Ambiance is really important. And um, was everyone yeah. in costume as well, or most people? Yes. Okay. I was yeah. gonna, about to ask you if it was a requirement or not. I encourage people to, but it's mm-hmm. it's optional because not everyone can manage that for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, it it really makes a difference when you're dressed appropriately. Um, it it makes a difference in the quality of your experience. And what I try to do, generally speaking, um, is group people um, according to how they're dressed. Okay. I didn't this time, uh, for various reasons, but, but that's generally what we do. So, we'll, so that people feel comfortable if, the, if, um, you don't want people to feel out of place. So all the people who are dressed in modern clothes, usually I put them together, mm-hmm. uh, at one large table and, and then the, uh, people who are historically dressed together at others. And we have a pair of, um, the powdered footmen, who usually wait at table. We did not have them with us this weekend, but they are usually there and they are in livery or rather I should say they're in 18th century embroidered coats and powdered wigs. And they're just a hoot. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Are they the same guys usually? Yes. Okay. Nice. (laughs) Yes. And we have a charming little maid servant who also waits at table and yeah, it's, it's wonderful. We have such a good time. Now, let me ask you this. It's probably a crazy question thrown out there. So, you know, as part of this project, we are exploring like the Austin and the Bronte fandoms and things are starting to emerge. And we're like, okay, we can't find anyone that's doing any sort of like Bronte inspired events. Would you ever consider doing anything like that? I have. And in (gasps) fact, I am planning on it. What? (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes. Brace yourself. Yes, I am. I've got a number of projects on the go. There's also going to be a Harry Potter event. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a number of projects that are in the planning stages. And, um, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is great. I feel like you're the only one. Oh, well, I don't know if that's the case. But I can certainly tell you that 
let's put it this way. When I started doing this stuff years ago, um, I thought, am I crazy? And then I thought, I don't really care if I'm crazy. I just need to trust that there will be other people out there who are crazy in the same way. Right, right. And it was a, you know, if she does it, they will come kind of thing. I had to trust that that would happen, and it did. Mm -hmm. So there are people out there who have the same kinds of passions and interests, and I'm constantly hearing from them saying, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I had no idea there was stuff like this out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's to the joy of my life to receive these notes or to have people come up to me at the end of the evening and tell me what this meant to them to spend an evening in Jane Austen's world or to spend an evening in Lord Nelson's Navy or a weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they're very moved by it. And it's a very powerful experience. And that's exactly what I am striving to deliver. So it it feels really, really wonderful and mm-hmm. affirming when that happens because it it just it means that there is. It's obviously a niche thing, but it right. is out there. It right. is out there. Yes, yes. Unbelievable. Yes. So I cannot believe you're doing a broad. I've been searching for someone. I've been looking. Oh well, you don't need to look any further. I know. So can you give me a hint of what you're thinking about doing? <laughs> I have two ideas mm-hmm. um, that are that are different. Um, one could be a kind of um, recreation of the Bronte Parsonage mm-hmm. in, ha- in Haworth. Um, and have people sort of experience something along those lines. The other is different again but i'm not going to reveal that just yet okay fair enough but when you have that plan like you have to come back and tell us oh for sure i will be delighted yeah i'm very excited about it it's it's um it's always nice to explore new things it's very exciting to uh to explore new directions new new projects new ideas and and to an extent new approaches Mm -hmm. um to my work and that's that's uh that's very exciting i'm i'm yeah, I'm very thrilled about that. <laughs> Would there be dance involved? Like, I'm just wondering, just because, you know. Well, yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes, there there definitely could be. Um, the Brontes themselves didn't seem to dance a whole lot, but of True. course some of their characters do. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're not quite, it's like Victorian era, but just, maybe just slightly before. So um, different dances then. Yes, yes. The Victorian dancing um, was focused f- far more on couples. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they still do did do group dances. They did quadrilles, and they they did a f- still did a few country dances, as a matter of fact. But um, but yes, the um, there had been a big shift toward the couples dance, which had been considered really risque. Mm-hmm. Uh, in European ballrooms for a long time, um, it started to develop from some of the European folk dances, for example, the Lendler, which we see in the Sound of Music, Austrian folk dance, um, was one of the the uh, the roots of the the couple's waltz. And these types of dances became popular on the continent and gradually made the shift over into England. And it took a few years for them to become respectable. They were considered very lewd mm-hmm. at the beginning. The turning waltz was was um, <laughs> uh, was considered to be so improper 
that Lord Byron, talk about improper. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, wrote a scathing, absolutely vitriolic satire, um, social critique of the waltz and said, literally, I'm quoting, said that it left nothing for the wedding night. Oh, wow. Strong. Yeah. Yes. Um, and my guess is that it was because you were touching your partner's body for the first time in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in English country dancing, you'd only touched hands. And here you were in a much closer hold. You're touching each other's torsos. And I mean, Regency Waltz was, for the most part, really very demure by our mm-hmm. standards. But um, I mean, there were variations, and there were people who might not have danced it that way. And goodness knows what he saw. Um, we don't know, you know, all the different variations that people might have indulged themselves in. Right, um, right. But generally speaking, it was a question of what you did in public. We know what he did in private, and he wasn't even vaguely ashamed of that. So. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um but decorum in public was considered a matter of immense importance. Mm-hmm. And it, of course, even more so in Victorian times, but the, let's say the goalpost had moved. Um, it was a question of um, these things having become acceptable. So, so couples dances um, were all the rage. And in fact, they led to the gradual decline of English country dancing because they were the new oh. fashion quadrilles. Yeah. Quadrilles as well. But the couples' dances were the big, huge things, so waltz and polka and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were the big new trend. And it really sort of dominated the, the 19th century um, from from the you know late Regency on. See what I mean? That was a great interview. Oh, thank you. It was easy because Karen's um, just an awesome lady, so... I loved it's the great bit about the um, people making up the dances as they were going. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in The Knight's Tale. <laughs> Where have you oh, seen that yes. movie? Yeah, and like obviously he doesn't know how to dance, so he's just like, um, "Well, I guess you do like a hop, and then you clap your <laughs> hands, and then the uh, I don't know what her name is, that woman." Um, it works both ways. It's not yes. just that guy; it's that woman too. I, look, yeah, I don't know is. who anyone is. Um, and then, yeah, she's just like, oh, we're going to do this dance. And then they kind of, it turns into modern dance. It's, it's weird. Watch the film or don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, great interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I really, really want to go to Toronto. I um, I want to go to one of those Bronte events. I want to go. Like, uh, come on. And have someone in a powdered wig serve me food from Emma and then go to a ball like in a historical home the more Karen spoke I was just sat there just like why aren't I there now why aren't I there every day it's you should be working there you should be you should be one of the servants because that's your thing when you do reenactment oh my gosh stop putting me into this tiny (laughs) servant box Hannah, go you work in the yourself. tea room give at Gaskell House. Give me death. <laughs> I did say that. That's true. <laughs> Look, if we're talking about a Regency ball, I don't want to be a servant. Okay. I want to be... Good to know. I want to be Emma Woodhouse. I want to... <laughs> I want to dance with my nightly and, you know, and have a flirt and eat some nice food and, I don't know, get a bit drunk. I think it sounds great. 
It's history. Yeah, I know, right? It's um, it's events. It's food. It's learning about stuff. It's meeting people that like the same stuff that you like. It's a historical building. I love old buildings. I know. It's not the same when you go to stuff and it's in like a a modern day thing. Yeah, for sure. And- for sure. And in that interview, I mean, I admittedly, I don't know a ton about historical reenactment. So um, I do, you know, talk about how that's just, I feel like it's not as big of a thing in the United States, or if we are doing it, it's a lot of battles. But your guys' guys, uh, Civil War reenactment game is pretty strong in the South. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's stuff like that. Um, But if I'm wrong, and if you guys know of anything... Please um, hit me up on, on Twitter and let me know because I'm just I'm just curious about you know that world in general. Yeah, and if you know of any events that go to this level of immersion and um, just excitement in the UK, let me know because I'll be there. Because like I love the ball at the Jane Austen Festival in Bath. It was you know one of my favourite life experiences, I guess. But. There weren't servants, man. <laughs> You're like, I want the servants. I don't know. I'm just fixated on the fact that someone was wearing a powdered wig. <laughs> it just sounds great. Well, I like that it's like re- recreating specific events in the book as yes. well. Yeah. So um, that I don't see any of. And so, yeah, again, like, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. And also correct me if I'm wrong on like, I've been looking for Bronte events. I haven't really found anything. But if you guys know of something, seriously, hit me up. <gasps> you know what we could organise, maybe with hmm. Karen's help, um, uh, Miss Madame Beck's fate. In oh my gosh! How and then amazing! Like, and we then could pull someone last minute from the crowd to and like lock them in an star attic. in the play. Yeah. Why do you do historical reenactment? What's like the pleasure for you? Uh, it's so annoying because every time people ask me that, I'm like, I don't know why I do this. Um, I Because I work in the kitchen tent, I wake up at six o'clock in the morning on my days off and basically spend 12 hours cooking because you're, you cook breakfast from around six or seven in the morning and then you're cooking the evening meal until six or seven at night and when you're not cooking, you're washing up, you're chopping vegetables, you're turning a joint of ham over the fire, uh, you're fetching Mm -hmm. water, you're chopping firewood, you're explaining to the public that carrots used to be white and they were more like parsnips and that we ate mainly peas and that tomatoes and potatoes were from South America so they hadn't been discovered yet and, you know, just um, like medieval people had great teeth because sugar mm-hmm. didn't exist. Like, we didn't have it as okay. much. And so, and actually, to have rotted teeth for some people was, like, this huge sign of... This is not answering your question. This is just facts. Um, yeah, I think I think that's why I do it. I really like to know things. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so reenactment gives me an excuse to really get, kind of get deep into it and just learn through doing and learn through being. And I think that's what I find really appealing about um, what Karen does is that it's so immersive. It's right. not put on any old thing and then come and it's in a, a village hall or it's in like a modern hotel and 
it's kind of almost there, but not quite right. Like the dancing's authentic and people are researching it and the food's from the novels and I Yeah, like, yeah, it gives you a deeper appreciation of just of the story and of the his of history and yeah. Yeah. Takes I, it to I, a, another level. I went to the the Regency Ball before you know, long before I did any kind of historical reenactment and um you you get sucked into it. I spent all night whispering to Miss Nicholson behind you know, beside me, who was just Sophie from work, but I was Miss mm-hmm. Chapman and she was Miss Nicholson and you know, we were like whispering things to each other behind our fans. We were like signalling at people and we were stepping up to dance together and sitting down and like giggling. Like I turned into Lydia. It was really it's an opportunity <laughs> to to just be something else, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. And by be something else, I mean continue to be everybody's skivvy <laughs> at all times of my life. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I will just go ahead and remind everyone that next month we are doing North and South. I'm sure that you're well aware, but I just want to, you know, let you know. It's coming. It's coming. Get your copy. Show us your copy online get started on reading um in the facebook group next week i'm actually going to start the discussion thread for chapters one through ten so yes yes very excited i can't wait to talk about this book i am really loving this book Uh, i can't wait to finish billette and persuasion and read it (laughs) (laughs) you're almost done with billette i think you can give persuasion a break. You know it. You know what to, to say. I've yeah. I've got this. I've got this in the bag. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I've got some unfounded statements to make. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as do I. As do I. Um. And then what else do we have going on? Oh, it's still October. It's still um. We still giveaway month. So you know, share your favorite episode of Bonnets at Dawn online, and tag us. And we will enter your name into a drawing and um, we'll probably send you some swag because not a lot of people have done it. So if you do it, then you're probably going to win. I have lots of stuff to give away. I mean, that or my mom gets a lot of pin badges. So, you know. (laughs) There you go. It's either going to you or Hannah's mom. Um, And this is good for us, too, because it just helps us uh, figure out what's working because we are developing season two right now. And um, we're just going to see like what we're going to do more of, basically. More Hannah. I think, I think that's what the people want. So um, be sure to do that. And um, while you're online, if you want to check out uh, Karen's events and actually maybe communicate with her directly, I would suggest going to janeaustendancing.ca. CA, because she's in Canada, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And um, her Twitter handle is at Jane Austen Dance. And um, you can also hit her up at at 1812 Dance also. And if you want to do reenactment at York Regency Society. Yes, <laughs> that sounds good. And now, you should Hannah, totally do it. If people want to find us online, where should they go? You can find us at Bonnets at Dawn on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook by searching Bonnets at Dawn and requesting to join our closed group. And you can email us bonnetsatdawn at gmail.com. True story. True story, guys. 
I hope you will do that. Um, so yeah, we will be back next week with a Bronte episode. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry.